Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Wine Show. I'm Hannah Homari, the editor at Sustainable Wine, which is the online magazine of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable. The Sustainable Wine Show is going to be a monthly podcast hosted by myself and my colleagues, Toby Webb, founder of Sustainable Wine Roundtable, and Tom Outram, Outreach and Development Manager. Every month, we're going to come together to chat about the latest news, trends in the sustainable wine industry, activities of the SWR, and going forward, we're going to be featuring a different guest speaker from the SWR membership to talk about their work and involvement in the roundtable. Toby, you've recently been doing some exciting interviews in our new SWR Thought Leadership series. Tell us, who have you been talking to? Hi, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Yes, I've been speaking with Richard Lloyd from The Park, which is owned by Accolade Wines. I'll talk a bit more about that later because we had a fascinating conversation. They're the largest bottler of wine in Europe. So lots to talk about with him, and that podcast is up on the website. I also had a good long chat with Lara Catena, whose name might be familiar to any of you who've ever had any Argentinian Malbec. And then just yesterday, I had a really good chat with Anne Carlson, who's the CEO of System Bolage, that I can never pronounce it very well. She was very kind and told me I got it right. But that's the Swedish alcohol monopoly, one of the most powerful forces in wine sustainability, given their remit and work on the subject. So a bit later on, I can tell you a bit more about what each of them had to say. Two of those podcasts, the first two I mentioned, are on the website or on your podcast channel. And the Anne Carson podcast will be ready as soon as we've got the audio editing done. I'll talk a bit more about those a bit later. So, Hannah, you've been doing some roundups of the news in Sustainable Wine for a while now. Every couple of weeks, you produce what I think is an incredibly helpful and concise roundup of what the wine media is saying about sustainability. It's quite hard to keep up otherwise with all the Google alerts and so on. So I personally find your summary really helpful. And I commend it to all listeners. You can get it by signing up to the Sustainable Wine newsletter on sustainablewine.co.uk. So Hannah, what's been making the news recently that's caught your eye? We've seen lots of reports of early harvest. There are multiple wine regions, so across France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Germany, and California. And this is, of course, due to the widespread heat waves that we've seen throughout Europe and the US, so causing grapes to ripen early. Of course, amid these heat waves, harvest conditions are tough. The intense heat means that a lot of the harvest has to occur during the night. And especially now in California, there's been a record-breaking heat wave. People have really been rushing to get everything off the vines. And Esther Mobley was reporting in the San Francisco Chronicle about how some wineries have actually harvested so much fruit all at once that they're risking running out of space for all of it in their wineries. Not an easy time. Even though yields are reported to be lower, we've also seen a lot of reports of higher quality grapes. So there's quite a positive sentiment about the vintage this year. So it'll be interesting to see. Then in other news as well, so Champagne has officially announced its first B Corps, Piper Heidsick and Charles Heidsick and Rare Champagne. They're all part of the EPI group. They're the first Champagne houses to receive this B Corp certification. That's from efforts and significant reductions in carbon footprints, energy saving measures, organic practices, and diversity and inclusivity efforts. Then finally, there's a couple of really exciting initiatives in the space of supporting farmers and adapting to climate change. So Diageo recently came out with a 450,000 pound commitment to help smallholder farmers in Africa. And then the USDA recently announced $300 million committed to an organic agriculture initiative helping farmers in that transition as well. 
If you think back to the bigger trends you've seen over the last year or so, I guess climate change is front and center. And certainly with my Google alerts, I see a lot of stuff on bottle weight, which Tom can talk about perhaps in a minute with regard to the roundtable. If there are three or four key themes that you've seen, I guess climate change overall, bottle weight and packaging, what are the others that you've seen constantly over the last year or so? As you mentioned, climate change packaging definitely front and center of mind for many in the wine industry. But there's also been a lot of discussion, of course, related to the climate change, discussion of exploring different types of grape varieties, hybrid grapes, and so on. So moving away from traditions in vineyards just to adapt to the new climates and future-proof, really, you know, if a winery wants to exist in 20, 30, 40 years, what changes do they have to make now? Where do they have to invest? That also then covers a lot of sustainable water management strategies and thinking around that, especially with the heat waves and droughts we've experienced in the last few years. And have you seen increasing coverage on issues like labour standards and human rights? Because I always felt like it was a bit of an undercovered area. But as far as I can tell, it's, it's getting a bit more coverage recently. There seems to be a bit more enforcement of labour standards around Europe and the US and, and elsewhere in the new world, as they call it. We're seeing, I guess, a lot of worker shortages. So I suppose there seems to be more interest in that space. Is that something you've noticed? Yeah, absolutely. The social side of sustainability hasn't been spoken about as loudly as the environmental side, but definitely in the last few years been increasing. That's some of the news we've been covering recently. So make sure you head over to the Sustainable Wine website, sustainablewine.co.uk to read up on that. But now, Tom, in the meantime, why don't you tell us what's been going on recently with the Sustainable Wine Roundtable? What's the latest there? Yeah, thanks, Anna. Great to be a part of this show. Well, just as a reminder, if our listeners aren't aware, the SWR Sustainable Wine Roundtable is a global organisation made up of 70 members representing a cross-section of the wine industry from both sector and geography. We're collaborating together to make wine more sustainable. Some of the latest activities that have been happening within the roundtable include the benchmarking of existing sustainability standards in wine. This is a process which is being led by Dr Peter Stanbury, Head of Research at the SWR. Over the last few months, he's been carrying out an evaluation process of all existing local and regional sustainability standards in wine. The first stage of this work involves desktop reviews of each standard holding organisation and interviews. So he's been flying around the world via Zoom, interviewing everyone from Bodegas de Argentina, the national programme there, to Fair and Green in Germany, to Terra Vitis in France. There's over 40 programmes, can you believe, that are operating both regionally and locally. The main aim of this initial work has been to better understand their evolution and how they currently function. In October, we'll be presenting a progress to date on this project to our SWR members and be explaining next steps and how our members can be involved. Thanks, Tom. That sounds like a huge undertaking and a really exciting piece of work with valuable output. So looking forward to hearing more on those results in October. You've also kicked off some member-driven research projects and membership engagement groups. Tell us more about this. Yeah, that's right, Hannah. It's been a bit of an iterative process to get to this point. But what we've identified is that there are a number of shared issues that our members all are doing work on or are looking at together collectively. We have formed a number of groups which are looking at particular issues. Our members are co-funding specific research projects in order to tackle these issues. We've just begun work on bottle weight reduction with our retailers group. And we're also looking at vineyard inputs with both producers and some of our other members who are interested in this subject area. The aim really is to be able to collectively benefit from peer learning 
save money, drive efficiency, and to be able to demonstrate that we're all committed to pre-competitive sustainability collaboration. Now, Toby, going back to you, so we mentioned briefly at the beginning of this podcast about the recent SWR Thought Leadership Series podcast you've been recording. What are the highlights from those recent interviews? Yes, I've had some fascinating conversations and looking forward to some more. So if listeners would like to suggest their CEO or owner to come and talk to us or senior executive, they are welcome to do so. We'll we'll have a look at that. Recently, I've had chats with Richard Lloyd, who's the general manager of The Park, which is Europe's largest bottling facility down in Bristol in the UK. And that's owned by Accolade Wines, but they also bottle for others and for a a lot of UK supermarkets. So Richard and I had a fascinating conversation about their evolution one interesting nugget was that they set up the whole thing 15 years ago for corks and then the screw cap trend came in and they had to rethink things and now they obviously they do a mixture of those sorts of things but we had a really good conversation about what does the circular economy mean in wine whose responsibility is it to drive it and what's the role of brands vis-a-vis consumers it's very easy to say we want the consumer to do everything we just need to make it easy for them but as we all know everyone wants to shop sustainably but it's very hard to do so when you're actually buying because it's all very confusing and retail can often be quite a stressful environment particularly wine if you don't know what you're doing and frankly even if you do know what you're doing or know a bit it can be quite an overwhelming experience so We concluded, I think, you can't rely on the consumer too much, but we need to work much harder to enable the right choices. So the question for retailers and others and distributors, manufacturers, is what are the interventions we can make that can work beyond simple efficiencies? And that was a really interesting conversation. That podcast is on sustainablewine.co.uk, and it's also on the Sustainable Wine podcast channel. So you can find that just by searching for Sustainable Wine on any of your podcast apps. Recently, also had a conversation with Lara Katena, Those of you who like Malbec will be familiar with her work. And we had a great chat about the sustainability issues relevant in Argentina, particularly around water, particularly around how they export and how they manage sustainability. And of course, Catena have set up the Catena Institute, which is one of the founding members of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable. And they're doing some really pioneering work. And what was so interesting was her enthusiasm and passion for sharing what they've learned and for learning from elsewhere in the world. That's really what the SWR is set up to do, is to try and facilitate that knowledge exchange so that we can all stop reinventing the wheel and try and learn from each other. So she was really excited about that. That podcast is available as well on our podcast channel. And lastly, I had a really interesting chat just the other day with Anne Carlson, who's the CEO of System Bollage, the Swedish alcohol monopoly. That podcast is still in the edit and has not been published yet but well worth listening to when it comes out. She's a senior exec who's on the board of Vattenfall, the energy company, and has run businesses in Sweden for many years. So we had a really good chat about strategy, about consumers, about the struggles that retailers have to reduce packaging and to make it attractive. And we talked about a particular conversation I had with some of her colleagues in their store, their flagship store in Stockholm in Sweden, which I visited a few weeks ago. They have a really pretty bottle of Italian rosé next to a rosé wine in alternative packaging that's quite attractive, but is cheaper, but is a much better wine. Guess which wine sells better? You probably know the answer, the one in the pretty glass bottle. And that summarises really the challenge of alternative packaging. So we had a really interesting chat about What can retailers do to encourage better, more attractive packaging? I challenged her a bit and said, actually, you know, some of your packaging in the stores that's non-glass is really fantastic. You know, it's the kind of thing I'd like to have on my kitchen counter. But some of it looks like it's got milk in it from the 1970s. 
not the contents, but the design. So we had a really interesting, fun conversation about how you can lead consumers, but also how we have to make more effort to make alternative packaging more desirable and more attractive. And of course, with the demographic changes we're seeing, a lot of younger people aren't buying wine and glass in Sweden anymore at all. They're buying it in cans. So what does that mean for marketing? A really interesting conversation, particularly interesting when we went around, actually, and we talked about the beer. I was taken around the beer aisle by one of her colleagues, and I said to her and, and to them, well, look at all this funky beer marketing. Shouldn't we be doing that in wine? Why can't we market sustainable wine in funky beer-type packaging? And the response was very interesting, something I hadn't thought of, which is that beer is a very personal choice. When you're buying a can of beer you're buying beer for you. But when you're buying a bottle of wine, you're buying it for perhaps more of a social occasion or to share with someone. It's a very different experience psychologically for the consumer. That's a really interesting nuance that I picked up from the visit to, to System Blasier recently and the conversation I had with Anne. So that podcast will be available in a week or two, and I'm looking forward to doing more of them. If any listeners, as I said before, want to suggest senior leaders to come and talk with us on those thought leadership podcasts, they're welcome to do so. Thanks, Toby. Those all sound like fascinating conversations. I recently also recorded a podcast with Erica Lofing, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Vintage Wine Estates. This is the first interview in our new SWR member interview series. In these podcasts, we'll be having various conversations with different guest speakers from the SWR in which we'll be highlighting the latest news, innovations, and developments of that member's sustainability journey and their involvement in the SWR. In my recent discussion with Erica, we chatted about what makes for a credible sustainability strategy in the wine industry. And then we delved a bit deeper into what vintage wine estates ESG reporting pressures are as they're a public wine group. And then we had a good long conversation about what a sustainable water management strategy looks like. So Erica shared some really exciting new projects that they're working on with innovative water tech startups to help visualize their water usage and the true cost of water. That'll also soon be up on the Sustainable Wine website, so make sure to keep an eye out for that as well. Now to wrap things up, Tom, you've already outlined some of the things that the SWR is working on right now. What about what's coming up? What are the plans for 2023? Yeah, we're going to be doing quite a lot in terms of engagement, uh, both with our members and with the public. Those that are interested in finding out more can check out both the SWR website and Sustainable Wine. In terms of events, we've got our first conference of 2023 that will be taking place in February. First conference subject will be around how to turn climate mitigation and adaptation into business opportunity. And we'll be looking for sponsors for that conference and others as part of the series. We're also going to be hosting a quarterly live panel discussion, which will cover different topics, everything from packaging to carbon insetting to how to become a responsible vineyard and winery employer. And then we'll be continuing to do membership engagement through our research projects, projects through the podcast that we organise and through other collaborate means of collaboration, um, such as through our membership engagement group, which you've just recently launched and got our first meeting coming up this week. And that's really an opportunity for members to actively contribute to shaping the development of the organisation and represents a diverse mix of members. So yeah, excited for that to kick off. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Toby. And thanks to you listeners. We'll be back next month. If you have any questions or comments, please do reach out to me at hannah at sustainablewine.co.uk and see you next month.